Numbers chapter 1. Sunday nights through the Bible, Genesis to Revelation. And we start a new book, the book of Numbers. And I'm glad you're here tonight. I appreciate your love for the Lord and for His Word. The book of Numbers is a continuation of God's history of man. It began in the book of Genesis and uh, continues through Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers. It's a chronology. And the book of Exodus, the uh, book of Genesis, of course, the origin of the whole world, the creation of man, the fall of man. And, began, and as God begins with man kind of in this big picture of things, he begins to narrow things down upon a particular group of people that he's going to bring salvation into the world through and the Savior of the world through, and that is the Jews. The book of Exodus, a record of his redeeming them out of the bondage of Egypt, and, then, and that covered a period of about a year, maybe a little bit more than a year, not much more, a year and two months or so. And the book of Leviticus, where we've just been in that book, just covers a period of about 30 days, um, the giving of the law and some very detailed instructions, but it just covers a very, very uh, short period of time. And now the book of, of Numbers uh, continues after Leviticus, and the book of Numbers is going to cover a period of a slightly, well, somewhere between 38 and 39 years. And so we're going to hit history moving very, very quickly uh, through the book of, of Numbers. Now, the book of Numbers is named the book of Numbers because it begins and ends with a numbering of the children of Israel. And uh, so it begins in chapter 1 with a numbering, about chapter 26 or so. There's a second numbering of the people toward the end of the book. There's a lot of other numbering that goes on in the book. The numbering of individual tribes, the numbering of the Levites, the numbering of families within the Levites. There's a lot of numbers. There's a lot of data uh, in this book. So you accountants are going to be very happy. And uh, those of you who like detail, you're going to like this. But it's not just a thing about numbers. People think about, oh, the book of numbers. Oh, my, it's terrible in math. I don't know if it will have anything for me. Uh, actually, the Apostle Paul, when he talks about the book of numbers in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, he uses it as an example of an Old Testament book that has a lot to say to us as Christians. So the New Testament lessons are found in the book from one end to the other. Unfortunately, they're lessons about how not to walk with God. Now, when the children of Israel came out of uh, Egypt, and, and we do hope to get into the book tonight, uh, and we will, just a moment. But when, they came, when, when the children of Israel came out of Egypt and God promised to take them into the promised land, that was a journey that should have really, following the one year while they built the tabernacle, they built the furnishings of the tabernacle in the book of Exodus. Oh, that was great. That was all going to take time. God gave them the law, period of about a month there in Leviticus and all. But to move from Mount Sinai into the promised land should have just been a, just a handful of weeks for them to get there. And instead it's going to take them 38 years, technically 40 years, to get from Egypt into the promised land. And only two people that begin the journey, uh, Joshua and Caleb, are going to make it into uh, the promised land because of the disobedience of the people and their lack of faith ag uh, against God. And so it's a picture of people that have uh, been delivered from Egypt. And Egypt is a type of the world uh, in the Bible. So it's a picture of Christians, people that have been delivered from the bondage of Egypt 
And Canaan, or the promised land, it doesn't represent heaven. A lot of times in the hymns or people talk about Canaan, you know, we're headed to Canaan, we're headed to Canaan land, and Canaan, uh, the land flowing with milk and honey, that it speaks of heaven. It doesn't speak of heaven. That's not the typology in the Bible. Uh, because they have to go in and they have to conquer the land of Israel, the land of Canaan. There's wars, there's battles that are involved in it. There won't be any wars or battles in heaven. Boy, isn't that great to know? I mean, nothing in the household, nothing worldwide, there won't be uh, any of that related to heaven. And what, what the, the land flowing with milk and honey represented to them physically. God said, here's a land that's just blessed in every way that you could be blessed, the land of Israel. And it is uh, incredible. But what it pictures for us as Christians is it what that was to them physically, Canaan represents uh, the land of walking in the fullness of God's promises, the spiritual land of milk and honey that is ours because of our faith in Jesus Christ. And he talks about, in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, uh, Paul talks about all of the blessings that are ours in Christ Jesus. And he describes those blessings. That's Canaan for us. That is the spiritual life that's been purchased for us by Christ. Now, the, the challenge is a person can escape Egypt and never take that list in Ephesians chapter 1 and accept it as being true about them as Christians. Never walk in the riches. Never walk in the milk. Never walk in the honey. Never enjoy any of it. It's, it's possible to escape Egypt and miss Canaan. It's possible to be saved and never ever enter into the fullness spiritual life that God has for us. Well, I'm preaching to the choir. You're here on a Sunday night in the book of Numbers in the dead of winter. God bless you. Uh, the greater test will be next Sunday night. Super Bowl Sunday. You remember, you told your wife, we'll buy this because I can take the games and go to church and catch them later. Women, you, you use all the guilt you have to to get them there. God doesn't use guilt or fear. You use both next Sunday. You're, it's free. Super Bowl Sunday. Free to do that. But it's possible to, to do that. And they miss the land of milk and honey because of disobedience, because of a lack of faith. And so many Christians miss the full riches of the Christian life because of a lack of obedience and a lack of faith in God's Word, and just obeying Him and what He calls us uh, to do. And so that's kind of a little bit of an overview uh, related to uh, all of this. So let's get into it. Verse 1. Now the Lord spoke to Moses in the wilderness of Sinai in the tabernacle of meeting which was set up there in, the, uh, in that area on the first day of the second month and the second year after they had come out of the land of Egypt. Did you everybody get that? Did you write that date down? He, God spoke to him on the first day of the second month on the second year after they had come out of the land of Egypt. Now when you do your personal devotions in the morning and you're reading through the book of Numbers, probably not one in a hundred of us stop and go, wow, wait a second, what? What day was that? The first day of the second month of the second year? We, we gloss over those things. And, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that in kind of a general reading of the Scriptures. But that kind of detail, God doesn't write anything in His Bible that there isn't a reason for. 
And, and so he gives them the location that this revelation is being given to Moses. He gives the time of it. And what God is doing, even through the numbers and all of the detail, all the way through his book, when he gives us locations and dates and these kind of things, he is reminding us that our faith and these things that we believe in related to the Bible, that they are founded in, they, they have a historical basis. These things happened at a point in time in human history when God interacted with man in human history. So our faith is not based upon cunningly devised fables, as Peter said. It's based upon historical fact of God's interaction with man. That's one of the things that I think any lover of the Bible keep saying, you know, to the different universities and people that fund these kind of things around the world, these archaeological digs in, in Israel and the Holy Land, we just say, keep on digging. Keep on discovering. Find every pottery shard you can find. Find every bit of civilization. Find every hidden city under those sand dunes. Because every time they do, it just simply confirms the historical accuracy of the Word of God just opens up. You go to Israel now, they didn't even think that Pilate existed. And then earlier in the last century, they're doing a dig in Caesarea. Oop, there's a gigantic plaque that speaks of Pilate. They believed that he existed, but they didn't have historical proof. So you just say, archaeologists, just keep on uh, digging. And so... Uh, this is the time that the revelation is given. He said, take a census to Moses of all of the congregation of the children of Israel. So let's number them. Uh, by their families, by their fathers' houses, according to the number of the names, every male individually from 20 years old and above. So here you've got the children of Israel, and uh, they've... Uh, uh, in, in, out in the wilderness, they've built the tabernacle, they've built the furnishings for the tabernacle, they've built the garments for the, uh, made the garments for the, the priesthood, they've got the laws been given to them uh, uh, through Moses by God, and now it's time to head out and begin to make their way physically to the promised land from that, that wilderness in Sinai. Now, we're going to see in, in just a little bit, but we've also already seen from the book of Exodus that it's estimated that the number of the children of Israel at this particular point in time is somewhere between two and three million people. Uh, some estimates, estimates are that they numbered between two and five million people. If they, numbered if they numbered about three million people, you are talking about a group of people that if they got in a line, you're talking about ten miles wide and a hundred miles long. You're talking about two to three San Francisco's. You're talking about 10 to 15 Modestos. You're talking about a huge group of people. So God isn't just going to like clang a bell and say, on to Canaan, trample everything, they trample one another on the way there. There had to be organization. God's a God of, of order. He does things decently in order. So now, in order for them to get there, along with all of their flocks and all of these kind of things, he doesn't say, well, let's just go and, and uh, it would just be pure chaos. So before the journey begins, he starts to enter, introduce some structure and some order in order for there to be kind of efficient movement toward the land. God is a God of, uh, of decent. He does things decently and in order. He doesn't like sloppy ministry. He really doesn't. You look at his creation. What is it? decent and in order. Otherwise we're looking for meteorites to this every time. You know. Things are decent and in order. You look at 
his, the, the teaching of, of the Word of God, you see, from one end to the other. He's a God of order. He, he likes things to be done in a right way because that's the way that he is. Even in the church, he, he, uh, Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, and he said, do all things decently and in order. Because the, the church there at Corinth, everybody was doing whatever they wanted to do in the church. And Paul said, no, no, that's not the way that God operates. Things should be done decently and in order. That's the kind of God that you, that you serve. And so uh, God is this. And so he, he wants this to be done in a way that where they not only get to Canaan, but they get to Canaan in a way that, that looks like him. And he begins here now, as we've seen here in, in uh, uh, verse 2, and, and now into verse 3. Let me finish the verse. And here's what you should number from 20 years old and above, all who were able to go to war in Israel. He wanted to number every male uh, person of, of the children of Israel, 20 years old and above, for the purpose of establishing an army. So if you were 20 years old and above, it was like, okay, you're in the army now. Now, they're going to go from out in the wilderness of Sinai, and they're going to go to Canaan, and it wasn't like they're heading through like parks and national forests and things like that. They're going through lands that are inhabited by very cruel and violent people that weren't interested in having two or three million people go through their land. They are going to Canaan where they are not only going to possess the land, but the purpose of God is that they would dispossess other people out of the land. And so there's a need for an army. So he establishes an army. It's a dangerous world for God's people. So he establishes an army, and in establishing this army, he puts together some structure and some discipline among the young men and among the men and among the children of Israel in general that will really serve them well when they go uh, in to conquer uh, the land. And so this was the purpose of it, and he told uh, <clears throat> Moses here, you and Aaron, end of verse 3, shall number them by their armies. Well, that's a big task. Here's Moses, I want you to number all of the men in, in here said, so I don't know, how, how long does it take to count to a million? It's a long time for one person. So he needs a little bit of help, doesn't he? God says, all right, I know you need some help doing this, this counting. And with you there shall be a man from every tribe, each of the twelve tribes of Israel, each one the head of his father's house. And these are the names that God had given to him. They're going to help you count these twelve tribes. These are the names of the men who will stand with you from Reuben, uh, Elazur from uh, Simeon, uh, Shelmuel from Judah, Nashon from Issachar, uh, Nathaniel from Zebulun, Eliab from the sons of Joseph, from Ephraim, Elishama from Manasseh, uh, Gamaliel from uh, Benjamin, Abidin from Dan, uh, Ahazer from Asher, uh, Pegiel from Gad, Eliasaph from Naphtali, Ahira, these were chosen from the congregation uh, f uh, leaders of their father's tribes, heads of the divisions in Israel. So he says, here's some help now counting these tribes. Just let these men, just let them loose to count the number of, of, of men 20 years and above among their specific tribe. And then Moses and Aaron took these men who had been mentioned by name and they assembled all of the congregation together on the first day of the second month. <laughs> they started the same day. Man, you like leaders like this? Say, so, I mean, we're going to need a week. We've got to get some yellow pads and uh, some calculators and, 
and probably do a study on, uh, and then I don't, I don't know, we're, we're going to have to get them to lie, we're going to have to use food somehow to get this done. And no, the, the, He gives them the order, and they start right away. Paul said to Timothy, commit these things to faithful men. That's a faithful men. They get started right away, and they recited their ancestry by families, by their father's houses, according to the numbers of uh, of names from 20 years old uh, above each one individually as the Lord commanded Moses so he numbered them in the wilderness of Sinai. Now they are going to number the, the number of men uh, uh, 20 years and above. They're going to accomplish this in less than a month. You say, well, okay, big deal. No, it is a big deal. Uh, later on, and some of you are familiar with this passage in the Bible, uh, when da- uh, David, and it was a sinful thing that David did, but he called for a numbering of the children of Israel, and he sent a team out to, to number the children of, of Israel. It took them over a year to do it. And these guys accomplished this in uh, less than a month. Now, they have some advantages. Uh, they, all of, everybody's in the same location. When, when David sent the men out, Joab and his team, they had to travel all around the land. Here, everyone is in one place. He's got people that are familiar with their particular tribe, and so, boom, they go after it. God knows just how to do these things, and uh, they did it very, very quickly. Now, the children of Reuben, Israel's oldest son, their genealogies by their families, by their father's house, according to the number of names, every male individually from 20 years old and above, all who were able to go to war, those who were numbered of the tribe of Reuben were 46,500. So that guy did a good job. That was the number of the tribe of Reuben. And the children from the children of Simeon, their genealogies, by their families, by their father's house, of those who were numbered according to the number of names, every male individually from 20 years old and above, all who were able to go to war, those who were numbered of the tribe of Simeon were 59,300. From the tribe, uh, uh, the children of Gad, their genealogies, by their families, by their father's house, according to the number of names from 20 years old and above, all who were able to go to war, those who were numbered of the tribe of Gad, were 45,650. Let's see the accountants. They're, they're tracking with me. Numbered people, they love this stuff. Yeah, keep it up. Now, we can look at it and go, is he going to read every, just all the way down to verse 4? Yep. That's exactly what I'm going to do. It's in the B-I-B-L-E, so we're going to read it here. Now, here's the thing. If you, um, it, if, if you were a member of one of these tribes, you, I'd have your full attention. Oh, he's coming to our tribe. He's coming to our tribe. You know, just because we're not in the tribe. Selfish people that we are. And I'll tell you. From the children of Kyle, verse 26. Oh, Judah. Their genealogies, uh, by their families, by their fam- fa- father's house, according to the number of names from 20 years old and above, all who were able to go to war, those who were numbered of the tribe of Judah, were 74,600. That's the largest of the 12 tribes. From the children of Issachar, their genealogies, by their families, by their father's house, according to the number of names from 20 years old and above, 
all who were able to go to war. Those who were numbered of the tribe of Issachar were 54,400 from the children of Zebulun. Their genealogies by their families, by their father's house, according to the numbers of names from 20 years old and above, all who were able to go to war. Those who were numbered of the tribe of Zebulun were 57,400. From the sons of Joseph, the children of Ephraim, their genealogies by their families, by their father's house, according to the number of names from 20 years old and above, all who were able to go to war. Those who were numbered of the tribe of Ephraim were 40,000, <clears throat> excuse me, 500. From the children of Manasseh, their genealogies by their families, by their father's house, according to the numbers of names from 20 years old and above, all who were able to go to war. Those who were numbered of the tribe of Manasseh were 32,000. 200. And so that's the smallest uh, number of the 12 tribes that uh, committed to this army. From the children of Benjamin, their genealogies by their f uh, families, by their father's house, according to the number of names, from 20 years old and above, all who were able to go to war, those who were numbered of the tribe of Benjamin, were 35,400. From the children of Dan, their genealogies by their families, by their father's house, according to the number of names, from 20 years old and above, all who were able to go to war, those who were numbered of the tribe of Dan, were 62,700. And from the children of Asher, their genealogies, by their families, by their father's house, according to the number of names, from 20 years old and above, all who were able to go to war, those who were numbered of the tribe of Asher, were 41,500. From the children of Naphtali, their genealogies by their families, by their father's house, according to the number of names, from 20 years old and above, all who were able to go to war, those who were numbered of the tribe of Naphtali, were 53,400. And these, as he moves on to give us a total, these are the ones who were numbered among, uh, uh, were numbered whom Moses and Aaron numbered and the leaders of Israel, 12 men, each one representing his father's house. So all who were numbered of the children of Israel by their father's houses from 20 years old and above, all who were able to go to war in Israel, all who were numbered were 603,550. And so that was... Uh, the total that, that they came up with as a result of, of, uh, of the census that was taken. Now, because we know that uh, the number of this kind of uh, uh, children of Israel at this time making this journey, little over 600,000 uh, men 20 years and above, if you add women in, if you add children uh, in if, uh, and all, then the number that you come up with uh, is uh, conservatively would be a total of two to three million people. And uh, very, again, interestingly, only two of that number are going to enter into uh, the promised land. Now, he excludes one tribe, and that's the tribe of uh, Levi, and he gives us the reason for that here. But the Levites were not numbered among them, uh, and numbered, that is, for war by uh, their father's tribe. For the Lord had spoken to Moses, saying, Only the tribe of Levi you shall not number, nor take a census of them among the children of Israel, but you shall appoint the Levites over the tabernacle of the testimony. They were to have 
be given over uh, not to the sword but to the sanctuary. They were to look after the spiritual things of the nation. And uh, so here is this recognition. God says, you're going to need a strong military. It's a fallen world. Every nation needs a strong uh, military. But no nation will become great or sustain greatness solely on the basis of a military. Uh, uh, there has to be a concern for God, a concern for the sanctuary. There needs to be a group of people that are nurturing uh, God's perspective and spirituality among the nation. Otherwise, you can have the greatest military in the world and the population of the nation will become immoral, they'll become rebellious against God, and the nation will rot from the inside out. And so there needed to be both. It wasn't the minimizing of the army and the military, and uh, they weren't better, they weren't worse. Uh, the, uh, the Levites' position wasn't better or wasn't worse, but both of them were necessary for God's plans for the, the nation of, of Israel here. And so they were to uh, look after the tabernacle of the testimony over all of its furnishings and over all the things that belong to it. They shall carry the tabernacle and all its furnishings. They shall attend to it uh, and camp around the tabernacle. So a general kind of uh, overview of their responsibilities. He'll give us greater detail later. And when the tabernacle is to go forward, and remember the children of Israel would only move forward uh, when God would move by the pillar of fire by night or the pillar of cloud by day. He led them. And when that pillar moved, it meant that God was moving and they followed it and they would have to pack everything up. And it was a considerable amount of things related to the tabernacle. They had to be, it all had to be transported in a very specific way. And, uh, and so you needed a labor force in order to uh, accomplish that. And so this, the tribe of, of uh, Levi was the labor force toward that, that end. And when the tabernacle is to go forward, the Levites shall take it down. And when the tabernacle is to be set up, the Levites shall set it up. An outsider, this is not talking about Gentiles, this is talking about any non-Levite, not even another Jew from another tribe, was to come in and, and do what had been set aside for the Levites. An outsider who comes near shall be put to death. And the children of Israel shall pitch their tents, everyone by his uh, own camp, everyone by his own standard according to their armies. And so we're going to see in a moment that when, the, when the, the tabernacle, God would move forward, they would set up camp when the pillar of fire, the pillar of cloud would stop, they would set up camp, and then God had very specific directions about how they were to camp, uh, the arrangements of the camp, and, uh, uh, and, and the arrangements of the camp were to be around the tabernacle. And so he's talking about this. Uh, all of the, the 12 tribes would camp around uh, that tabernacle, but the Levites shall camp around the tabernacle of testimony. They would be the inner kind of layer of, of God's people toward the tabernacle for the purpose that there would, may be no wrath on the congregation of the children of Israel, and the Levites shall keep charge of the tabernacle of the testimony. So you wouldn't have people from these other tribes of, of Israel wandering in, heading into some place where uh, uh, that they weren't supposed to go into, into the, 
the tabernacle itself or into the most holy place or uh, the holy place and then end up having the wrath of God come down on them. The Levites represented kind of a buffer for the rest of the camp. And thus the children of Israel did their obedience according to all that the Lord commanded Moses. So they did. And so uh, obedient up to this point. And the Lord, chapter 2, spoke to Moses and Aaron saying to them, Every one of the children of Israel shall camp by his own standard. Be, uh, beside the emblems of his father's house, they shall camp some distance from the tabernacle of meeting. And so God now gets into detail about how he wants the camp of Israel to be ordered and, and for it uh, to be uh, arranged. So now remember here, we look at it and again, it can, it can seem a little bit dry to us, the considerable detail that is, is in this. But if we put ourselves in their shoes, uh, and, 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 uh, then uh, th- th- because you realize what this instruction would have meant to them. Again, we're talking about two to three, the population of two or three San Francisco's or 10 or 15 Modesto's. You just can't have the tabernacle stop and say, all right, everybody, you know, and everybody just kind of this chaotic thing of setting up their camp and all. There was to be order in, in, in all of it. Otherwise, you're going to have chaos uh, on, on things. And so there had to be order for how a camp would be set up, how they would then break camp, how they would then continue their journey toward the promised uh, land. And so... God is going to set the camp up with the tabernacle there in the middle and then he's going to put three of the twelve tribes uh, 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 camping on uh, each of the four sides uh, of the tabernacle in each of the four directions, three tribes to the east, three to the west, three to the north, uh, three to the the south. So at the center is the tabernacle. It, it of course, represents the presence of God, and uh, so it's speaking of God being right in, in the midst of them, Him being the center of their national life. And, of course, we, we recognize that it represents, as we've seen in Exodus and also in Leviticus, it's all a picture uh, of, of Christ, Him being the center uh, of our lives. He's the center of our lives in a way that they could have never dreamed of. How does God move His camp today? He doesn't do it this way. You know how He does it? A Holy Spirit inside of tens and maybe hundreds of millions of people in the world today and he moves us every day in that superior way it's beautiful blessings that are ours it's decent and it's and it's and it's in order it's very very superior how, what we have is in Christ now he talks about each of the each of the three tribes on each of the four sides that they were to camp near there uh, it speaks of a standard speaks of the emblems so each of these groups of three tribes they had some kind of a standard or a banner so that they could look for their banner if you've ever been lost in a parking lot or something now what was that was that you know Z42 or you know kind of thing oh no it's another layer down in the garage um, but so they, they would just look for the banner. They couldn't get their directions, look for the banner and say, all right, we're right over there. And so there was this kind of visual 
uh, establishing uh, uh, things visually for them, each, each one of the uh, four directions having its own unique identifying banner. Now here's who was to be on the east side. And uh, it's really fascinating what's happening uh, uh, here. We'll get to it in uh, uh, a month. But you know, we'll get to it tonight here. Verse 3. On the east side, so he talks about the four directions, how he wants the camp to be set up. On the east side, toward the rising of the sun, and that was always uh, kind of the, the uh, uh, primo location. Uh, those of the standard of the forces with Judah shall camp according to their armies. So Judah was to be one of the three tribes uh, to the east, and Judah was actually going to be um, the uh, um, kind of the, the su superior or the, the uh, given the most authority of the three tribes on the east. And they shall camp according to their armies, and uh, Nashon shall be the leader of the children of Judah. So he was kind of the head guy of that tribe. And his army was numbered at 74,600. And so they, that was of the camp of Judah. And those who camp next to him shall be of the tribe of Issachar. And Nathaniel shall be the leader of the children of Issachar. And his army was numbered at 54,400. Then comes the tribe of Zebulun. And Eliab uh, shall be the leader of the children of Zebulun and his army was numbered at 57,400 and all who numbered according to their armies of the forces with Judah uh, was 160, uh, 186,400 and he said then they, these shall break camp first now I want you to take note of that that total there in verse 9 186,400 and the camp on the east when, when the trumpet was kind of blown and now it was to, to continue the journey, those three tribes on the east, they started to move out first. Couldn't have everybody moving at, at once. They'd move out first and uh, uh, everyone would follow them. And the tribe of Judah was the lead in this journey. And, uh, and the Bible uh, spoke as, as uh, Jacob was prophesying over his sons. He spoke about the superiority of Judah, spoke about the fact that Messiah would come through uh, Judah. And so it's only appropriate that Judah would then lead the land as a tribe, lead the children of Israel into the land of milk and honey because the Messiah who would come out of the tribe of Judah, uh, Jesus himself, is the one that leads us into the spiritual uh, land of spiritual milk and honey. On the south side, uh, one of the other four directions, shall be the standard of the forces with Reuben, according to their army, so the tribe of Reuben, and the leader of the children of Reuben shall be Eleazar, Eleazar and his army was numbered at 46,500. Those who camp next to him shall be the tribe of Simeon. The leader of the children of Simeon shall be uh, Shlemuel. And then his army was numbered at 59,300. And then uh, making up the third of, uh, part of, of that south side, then comes the tribe of Gad, and the, children, and the leader of the children of Gad shall be uh, Eliasaph, and his army was numbered at 45,650. And all who were numbered according to their armies of the forces with Reuben, 151,450. This group would be the second to break camp. Just decent and in order. We like this stuff. Just, I mean, you feel like you're in Germany or Switzerland. I mean, the trains, they just run like clockwork. It's fabulous. 
right out of the book of Numbers. So it's as easy to do it right as to do it wrong. In fact, it's easier to do it right than to do... Okay. And the tabernacle of meeting shall move out with the camp of the Levites in the middle of the camps as they camp, so they shall move out everyone in this place by their standards. And so those first two groupings of three would go out, and then the tabernacle would come right in behind them, and then two groupings behind them. The tabernacle which represented the Lord was always to be in the middle of God's people, reminding them of His Uh, his presence and and again keeping him at the center of of their national life now on the west side there shall be uh, shall be the standard of the forces with Ephraim according to their armies and the leader of the children of Ephraim shall be Elishama and his army was numbered at 40,500 and next to him comes the tribe of Manasseh and the leader of the children of Manasseh shall be uh, Gamaliel And his army was numbered at 32,200. Then comes the tribe of Benjamin, and the leader of the children of Benjamin shall be Abidin. uh, We don't don't go any more than we need to. And his army was numbered at 35,400. And all who were numbered according to their armies of the forces with Ephraim, that was the lead tribe in that group, uh, 108,000. Uh, 100 and they shall be third to break camp the standard of the forces with uh, of the forces with Dan shall be on the north side so the final side Dan is going to be the lead tribe among those three uh, according to their armies and the leader of the children of Dan shall be uh, Ahazer and his army was numbered at 62,700 those who camp next to him shall be the tribe of Asher And the leader of the tribe of Asher was Pegiel, and his army was numbered at 41,500. Then comes the tribe of Naphtali. The leader of the children of Naphtali shall be Ahira, and his army was numbered at 53,400. And all who were numbered of the forces with Dan 157,600 and they shall break camp last they would bring up the rear with their standards and these are the ones who were numbered uh, of the children of Israel by their fathers houses all who were numbered according to the armies of the forces were 603,550 but the Levites were not numbered among the children of Israel just as the Lord commanded Moses. So that was the number of of the army, uh, minus the the tribe of Levi. And thus the children of Israel did according to all that the Lord commanded Moses. So they camped by their standards, and so they broke camp, uh, each one by his family, according to their father's uh, houses. Now one of the things that's fascinating about all of this and when uh, as God gave them instructions to set up the camp if you were to come in if you could have uh, rented some kind of a helicopter or a plane or something and you were able to fly over Sinai there and uh, and come over that wilderness and if you approached the camp of the children of Israel while they were camped from the east you would be looking down on a cross They were camped in the shape of of a cross. 
If you, and so there's the tabernacle in the middle. You would have the largest number of, of that group of three tribes. 186,400 would be at the base. And then you would have virtually equal numbers on the north side and on the south side constituting the arms of the cross. The south side, 151,000 plus. The north side, 157,000 uh, plus. But right there, equal distance. And then interestingly, at the top of the cross on the west, you'd have the smallest number of people making up that top of the cross, 108,100. God could have taken and mixed these tribes up any way he wanted to. It would have been very easy for him to mix these numbers of these different tribes up so that when you came in by helicopter and looked down on that, on that uh, uh, camp of the children of Israel, you would have seen four equal groups of, of people. But he doesn't do that. It would still be the shape of a cross, but not of a, a, of a Roman cross on, uh, for crucifixion. He takes in with such detail with how he numbers them deliberately is that you would see the very shape of a cross uh, that Jesus was going to come into the world and be crucified on in order to bring us into the uh, true land flowing with milk and honey. I'll tell you, the, the cross and the things of Christ, this, they're in the Bible from one end of the Bible uh, to the other. It's beautiful. These, Jesus said, you search, he said to the religious leaders, he said, you search the scriptures, for in them you think you're going to find everlasting life. But he said, these are they which testify of me. And the Bible, from one end to the other, testifies of Christ. I can't wait to, well, it'll be something if, if we do it in heaven. I don't know, I know some of what we're going to do in heaven, but I don't know if anybody's going to be doing Bible studies up there or anything like that. But there might be something where, wouldn't it be something that they just showed, okay, now in this verse, here's the 800 things that speak about Christ in this. Now let's move on to the next one. I mean, the, the imagery that's there that we can't even pick up that, that God knows about. And then some of it's a little bit easier for us to see. Chapter 3. Now these are the records of Aaron and Moses when the Lord spoke with Moses on Mount Sinai. And these are the names of the sons of Aaron, Nadab the firstborn, and uh, Abihu, Eleazar, and Ithamar. And so now in chapters 3 and 4, the Lord is going to give detailed instructions as it relates to uh, the Levites. And he begins with uh, Moses and Aaron. They were, both, uh, uh, they were both Levites from the tribe of Levi. And, and he's, he's talking here now first about uh, the priests. And so the priests of the children of Israel all came through Aaron, who was the first high priest in, in the nation of Israel. And so, uh, and then the Levites are going to be given to Aaron, the tribe of Levi, to help him do the considerable work that the priests were called to. So sometimes you'll hear, uh, so when you, when you think about Aaron and you think about the priests, they were all Levites. So all priests were Levites, but not all Levites were priests. You had to be a Levite plus of the lineage of Aaron in order to be a priest. So sometimes uh, and, uh, we can speak of the Levitical priesthood, and, that, and that's good enough. But uh, to be even more accurate, if we're talking about the priesthood of the children of Israel, we would refer to it as the Aaronic priesthood because you needed not only to be a Levite but a descendant of 
of Aaron. And so these are, are the, the sons of, of Aaron are listed here. He has four sons, and the priesthood is going to come through those sons. These are the names of the sons of Aaron, verse 3, the anointed priests whom he consecrated to minister as priests. Nadab and Abihu, we remember them from uh, earlier there in the book of Leviticus, they died before the Lord when they offered profane fire before the Lord in the wilderness of Sinai, and they had no children. And so Eleazar and Ithamar uh, ministered as priests in the presence of Aaron, uh, their father. And so he, uh, he brings up the issue of Nadab and Abihu. You remember God came and, and he came in all of his glory to the tabernacle that was finished. Nadab and Abihu grabbed some false fire, strange fire, drew attention to themselves as an intimation that they were um, under the influence of alcohol when they were doing it, but they were under the influence of something other than God. They did something that was so inappropriate at a crucial time in developing the spirituality of the children of Israel that God uh, poured his judgment out on them and they were, they were smitten. And so they, they were dead. So now you've got a priesthood that went from five down to three. And, and these guys get brought up again in order for Aaron and the remaining two sons to realize, uh, be careful about God. Uh, he gives us the positions. It was an honor, honored position for them to have. But don't expect him to compromise just because you're getting few in number. And so it, this would have uh, produced real sobriety in uh, Eliezer and Ithamar, who were the, who were the ones uh, who were left. And so right now there's Aaron, there's Eleazar and Ithamar in terms of the priests <clears throat> for uh, leading the children of Israel in terms of all of the practices and things that were done at the tabernacle which again we'll get to in a moment. Now he begins to order, uh, give the order and the responsibilities for the tribe of Levi. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, bring the tribe of Levi near and present them before Aaron the priest that they may serve him. Now uh, every time the children of Israel moved is this gigantic kind of camp. Uh, they had to move the tabernacle. They had to move the furnishings within the tabernacle. They had to move the brazen altar. They had to take uh, kind of the linen curtain fence that, that surrounded the courtyard of the tabernacle. Someone had to move all of that, and you've only got three priests. So the priests needed some help to do this. And so God says, I'm going to provide you with the labor that you need to do this. I'm going to provide the labor in the in the form of the entire tribe of Levi. Now, uh, don't think that Levi would look and say, wait a second, what do you mean? You're going to put me into slave labor here? It would have, they would have considered it a tremendous privilege to have this position, to spend their life assisting the priests and the spiritual welfare of the nation. So you've got the priests... They have their responsibilities, things that only they can do, but they needed people to help them with the physical aspects of their calling, and so the Levites provided that for them. In the New Testament, we have in, uh, in Christian churches, we have the elders. Their oversight is, is principally the spiritual oversight of a congregation. That's what they're called to focus on, the study of the word, prayer, ministering the word to people one-on-one -on -one in a... Uh, one on many kind of setting like this that was their focus but there's a lot of ministry that goes on in the body of Christ 
that is also very physical that needs to be done in order for us to have uh, a warm room, to have lights on in the room, to have things clean, to have uh, children's ministry in place and all kinds of things. And so uh, there's the office of the deacon. And so one isn't better than the other, greater than the other. They're both a team. They both need each other. And so we see the same kind of team in the Old Testament in the form of the deacons in the form of, of the tribe of, of Levi. And they shall attend, verse 7, to his needs and the needs of the whole congregation before the tabernacle of meeting to do the work of the tabernacle. And also they shall attend to all of the furnishings of the tabernacle of meeting and to the needs of the children of Israel to do the work of the tabernacle. And you shall give the Levites to Aaron and his sons. They are given entirely to him from among the children of Israel. So you shall appoint Aaron and his sons and they shall attend to their priesthood. But the outsider who comes near shall be put to death. No one but uh, Aaron and his sons were to do the um, have the responsibility of the priests, and so uh, they couldn't get in a pinch where they're saying, "Okay, this is something that God said only the priests should do." But we're a little short-handed right now. Can we grab someone from the tribe of Levi that's not a descendant of Aaron? God says, "Don't do that." There's a division between the two groups. There's a reason for it. And, and don't be doing a mix and match on, on all of this. Otherwise, uh, I'll have to pour my judgment out uh, upon it. And so this is how uh, he wanted everything to be done. And then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Now behold, I myself have taken the Levites from among the children of Israel instead of every firstborn who opens the womb among the children of Israel. Therefore the Levites shall be mine. So he claims the Levites as his personal uh, possession to be used in his very personal specific way here. Because, and here's his reason, all of the firstborn are mine. On the day that I struck all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, I sanctified to myself all the firstborn in Israel, both man and beast, they shall be mine. And so God comes to Moses and says, I am going to take, uh, when he delivered them out of, of the land of, of Egypt, when it, God smote Egypt with the tenth uh, plague that he poured out on the land to secure the uh, redemption of his people, the release of his people, he poured a judgment out on the firstborn of both man and beast in order to secure uh, their, their release. And so he looked and said, the firstborn is mine. Even among the children of Israel who survived because they, they applied the blood to their homes, God still said, uh, the firstborn that, uh, of even your sons who survived and your animals, they belong to me. Now, God looks at them. All of those people belong to him for his purposes, uniquely belong to him, and God comes and, and declares to them, instead of taking the firstborn out of all these tribes, I want the tribe of Levi. I want to deal with one tribe as it relates to furnishing the labor related to the worship of me. And so we're going to do an exchange here uh, related to that. And so uh, they all belong to him. And, uh, and so he said, uh, I'm going to let the one go and exchange it for the single uh, tribe. And then the, uh, Lord spoke, um, then the Lord spoke to Moses there in verse 14. 
as he's going to now number those, the tribe of, of Levi, he said to Moses in the wilderness of Sinai, saying, Number the children of Levi by their father's house, for, uh, by their families, you shall number every male from a month old and above. And so now the number of the males, month old and above, and, and we're going to see how many there are. Sometimes people say, why not just number the males? I mean, period. What, is there something about a month? We really don't know that there's anything about a month. Probably the infant mortality rate was uh, significantly high in, uh, enough in those days uh, that uh, they probably wouldn't count a child until they had, had survived a month. And uh, so maybe uh, there's something of that uh, behind it, but we really don't know. So Moses numbered them according to the word of the Lord as he was commanded. And these were the sons of Levi by their names, Gershom, Kohath, and Merari. So the three main families that made up the tribe of, of Levi and uh, so they're going to number them according to those main families or clans. And these are the names of the sons of Gershon by their families, Libni and Shimei, and the sons of Kohath by their families, Amram, Izahar, Hebron, and Uziel, and the sons of Merari by their families, uh, Mali and Mushi. Now that's just cruel. These are the names, uh, these are the families of the Levites by their father's houses. And so a little detail related to those three tribes. From Gershon, so now he's going to talk about numbering the clan of the family of Gershon. From Gershon came the family of the Libnites and the family of uh, the Shemites. These were the families of the Gershonites and those who were numbered according to the number of all the males from a month old and above of those who were numbered there were 7,500. The families of the Gershonites were to camp behind the tabernacle westward and the leader of the, fa uh, of the father's house of the Gershonites was Eliashaph, uh, the son of Lael. So the, it, now we remember that we had the tabernacle in the middle of the camp. You had the, the 12 tribes camped around it. And then there was an inner camping uh, of the Levites. And, and there, here we're told that on the west side of the tabernacle, the family of Gershon was to, to place themselves there. The duties of the children of Gershon in the tabernacle of meeting included the tabernacle, the tent with its coverings, the screen for the door of the tabernacle of meeting, the screen for the door of the court, the hangings of the court which were around the tabernacle and the altar and their cords according to all the work relating uh, to them. And so here they've been called with a, uh, to, to be a physical help to the priests, and this was the responsibility of what they were to carry. All, remember the tabernacle when we were in the book of Exodus? The tabernacle had four different layers uh, over it. You had the woven linen, which was the innermost layer with all of the beautiful embroidery on it. You had then uh, a layer of goat's uh, hair. Then you had a covering of ram skins dyed red. And then, uh, and then you had uh, a, a, another la layer that was on, on top of that. And so you take all four of these, the size of the tabernacle, tremendous weight, and then the curtains that constituted the separation of the courtyard, 
This is what these men, they were to take it down when it was time to move. They were to carry it to the next location and then they were to put it up once again. That was the focus of their, their attention. From Kohath came the family of the uh, Amramites, the family of the, let's see, let's move down here. Those are the families of the Kohathites. According to the number of all the males, verse 28, from a month old and above, there were 8,600 keeping charge of the sanctuary. The families of the children of Kohath were to camp on the south side of the tabernacle. The leader of the family's house of the, uh, the father's house of the families of the Kohathites was uh, Elizaphan, and uh, their duty included the ark, the table, the lampstand, the altars, the utensils of the sanctuary with which they ministered, the screen, and all the work relating to them. And so here is uh, Gershon. They took care of all of the, the fabrics related to the, the tabernacle, very weighty indeed. And then here, Kohath had the responsibility for carrying the furnishings of the tabernacle, Ark of the Covenant, the table of showbread, the altar of incense, and, and all of, of these things. Tremendous uh, responsibility. 8,600 of them uh, to do that. And Eliezer, uh, here's the priest, the, uh, one of the uh, priests, the son of Aaron, uh, who was the high priest, was to be chief over the leaders of the Levites with oversight of those who kept charge of the sanctuary. So he was responsible for the oversight of the Levites. From Merari came the family uh, of uh, the Malites and the family of the Mushites, and these were the families of Merari. And those who were numbered according to the number of all the males from a month old and above were 6,200. The leader of the father's house of the families of Merari was uh, Zuriel, and these were the, to camp on the north side of, of the tabernacle. And the appointed duty of the children of Merai included the boards of the tabernacle, its bars, its pillars, its sockets, its utensils, all of the work related to them, relating to them, and the pillars of the court all around with their sockets, their pegs, and their cords. So they, their responsibility was to take down, carry, and put up the entire frame or support structure for the tabernacle and then that uh, curtain that constituted a, a, a kind of a fence or a, a border for the courtyard. Now, now you remember, when, when we went through Exodus, how, how the size of these boards, uh, many of them uh, covered with gold. It would have been incredible weight uh, involved in carrying these. And so they, they really had... Uh, a lot to do in, in carrying these things. And moreover, those who were uh, to camp before the tabernacle on the east, before the tabernacle of meeting, were Moses, Aaron, and his sons. So the fourth side was to be uh, 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 camped uh, in that inner circle where the priests themselves, Moses, Aaron, and his sons, keeping charge of the sanctuary to keep the needs of the children of Israel. But the outsider who came near was to be put to death all who were numbered of the Levites, whom Moses and Aaron numbered at the commandment of the Lord by their families, all the males from a month old and above were 22,000. And then the Lord said to Moses, Number all the firstborn males of the children of Israel from a month old and above and take the number of their names. Now here's what's going on. Um, God's going to do an exchange of the Levites, the tribe of Levi, for the firstborn of all of the other tribes of Israel. 
And so he knows how many uh, from a month old among the tribe of Levi, he knows how many there are. There's 22,000. So now he needs to know how many are the firstborn among all the rest of the tribes. So how close are we number-wise on doing an exchange here on, on things? And so the call for them to number the firstborn males of the children of Israel in general from a month old and above and take the number of their names and you shall take the Levites for me. I am the Lord instead of the firstborn. Uh, of the children, uh, firstborn among the children of Israel, and the livestock of the Levites instead of the firstborn among the livestock of the children of Israel. And so Moses numbered all the firstborn among the children of Israel as the Lord had commanded him, and all the firstborn males according to the number of the names from a month old and above of those who were numbered with them were 22,273. So Um, it's not an even exchange. There's a difference of 273. You might say, well, you know, I mean, horseshoes and grenades, I mean, it's close enough on this thing. Uh, And and God isn't uh, related to that. Got to make up for that 273. Needs to be even. It needs to be right. that's, That's a kind of attention that God has to detail. I am so glad that my sins are under the blood of Jesus Christ. (laughs) Because if I force him to remember every single one of them as a to bring forth a just cause for my eternal judgment apart from Christ, he can do it. I mean, he keeps track of things. And I like what he doesn't keep track of anymore in my life because of my faith in Christ. And so God, I mean, He knows stuff. And then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Take the Levites instead of the firstborn among the children of Israel and the livestock of the Levites instead of their livestock. The Levites shall be mine. I am the Lord. Now about this 273. For the redemption of them, the firstborn of the children of Israel, who are more in number than the Levites, you shall take five shekels for each one individually. You shall take them in the currency of the shekel of the sanctuary, the shekel of 20 geras, and you shall give the money with with which the excess of them is redeemed to Aaron and his sons. And so Moses took the redemption money from among those who were over and above those who were redeemed by the Levites from the firstborn of the children of Israel. He took the money 1,365 shekels according to the shekel of the sanctuary and Moses gave their redemption money to Aaron and his sons according to the word of the Lord as the Lord commanded Moses. So again, obedience. The worship team come forward. Let's uh, get you to lead us in a couple of worship songs and that we can close our night out once again thinking about the substance of which Uh, All of this is a picture and a type, the substance of our Savior.